Anxious to step through the gate again, Major? Yes, I am. We all are. Would you like us to bring back anything special? Uh, no, thanks. Groceries, new outfit, flatware? Hmm. No, just yourselves in one piece, please. Dial it up. You say. To the Jumping Puddles podcast. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or YouTube, and follow us at Jumping Puddles Podcast on Tumblr and Instagram, and Jumping Pud Pod on Twitter. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our coffee. Hi, I'm Sam, and with me are my fellow co-hosts Tor and Ash. Hey, hi. And today we are watching Conversion. Colonel Shepard begins to undergo a disturbing physical transformation after being exposed to Beckett's anti-wraith drug. Beckett must work on a way to save him before it's too late. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be our worst one. It was terrible. Moons and months. For a summary, that was super scary sounding as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, not the horror one, we messed it up. So, welcome to Conversion, aka the Fly-inspired episode of Stargate Atlantis. Many episodes of SGA are nods to sci-fi movies, but or just contain references to them. But this one is an obvious homage to my most beloved, but also very good movie, The Fly. <laughs> We literally just had, like, a good five-minute conversation about all the bug episodes in uh, SG-1. <laughs> Terrifying to realize there's more than one. More than yeah. three. <laughs> one that yeah, I am. And it's the second one in, in Atlantis. Yeah. Right? Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. 38 yeah. minutes. How could we forget? Yeah. It was referenced. That happened. <laughs> they are good, I guess, for scaring the shit out of you, but, like... Shepard hates maybe... them, and so do we. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's like the the um, tarantula um, for Tolkien because he I think he was bit <laughs> once by a tarantula and then he just put giant spiders into all of his um, uh, books. So why did he want to traumatize us as well? <laughs> he was like, it's not only me that has to have the trauma. I'm gonna traumatize all of y'all. He was like, you know what's Everyone. really scary. <laughs> A tarantula. Sharing. You know what's scarier than a tarantula? A giant tarantula. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're we're bug antis here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> How do we even start this one? This one is ginormous. So many things happen like in order, right? I feel like usually we kind of just like pick like a character or like an event and we just start there and we can kind of like branch out. But I guess we can we do that do that this time as well but it's just funny that like it kind of feels like you need to almost go in order because you're watching like shepherd transform and like trickle down and like things are going slowly but surely wrong which feels very reminiscent of the horror aesthetic that atlantis has got going on which i have to say i'm obsessed with and i am kind of sad that they didn't lean more into it because i think it would have been a really fun way to kind of set itself apart from its predecessor sg1 if it kind of leaned into more of the 
maybe not gore, but like the horror and stuff like that, um, which they do sometimes. But I am grateful that they do it with this episode because I think they pull it off so well. Oh, yeah, it's great. The physical horror, the psychological horror. And it kicks off right away, like right at the beginning of the episode. They don't waste any time getting into it. We got our infirmary scene where Shepard is being wheeled into the Atlantis infirmary by Beckett alongside uh, Rodney with his splinter. And we already see the reveal that although Shepard was a gory mess at the end of the last episode, his arm has completely healed. And he just has this weird, like, scaly spot on him where he was attacked, which was interesting. I also thought it was funny that Beckett mentions that Shepard has a really strangely high tolerance for pain. So that's an interesting canonical character tidbit for Shepard. Really trying to make him Superman, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Batman, they are really leading into his whole, I am shadow, I am darkness boy. Kind of <laughs> aesthetic that they want to make him out. He has the emo vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially this so episode, good. which was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He really yeah. leaned into it. The whole, like, keep the lights off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. the facing away. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. black fingernails. <laughs> oh, yeah. That were not mm-hmm. technically okay. voluntary. <laughs> I was going to say, though, I was going to say, sometimes the Stargate makeup artists, it's okay. This time, though, slay. I want to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. I think they pulled off the Buck John look. I think he looks unsettling. I think he looks mm-hmm. bug slash reptilian-esque. Um, and I, again, we're just jumping all over the place already. But I, the ending scene of him climbing in Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> like a little roach, like a little spider when he's just climbing the walls scared the shit out of me like it was kind of funny like i was laughing a little bit like haha like laughing out of like terror (laughs) um it was honestly so spooky and they did such a good job with it yeah also the um just a transition from him just having like the little scaly mark on his arm and then it's slowly growing and taking over his body was just amazing the only thing no the, the makeup was insanely good the only thing that kept that there's one scene i think when he's when it's kind of starting to to take over his face Mm. where i'm always i don't know if it's unsettled or just like thrown off by his one eye like the one um contact that looks a little i don't know it looks a little off but maybe i'm just nitpicking here but it's always like (laughs) what happened and yeah no it's it's amazing i I love it yeah i love the hand when the one scene where he He's talking to Elizabeth, and she's so bad in, like, I don't know, <laughs> and, this, and just talking to him and about his condition in this episode. But and she and they kind of look at his hand, and he just hides it. Ah, so good, so so creepy, but so so good. Yeah. Wow. I was gonna say yeah, let's go. let's talk about um, Elizabeth's terrible bedside manner because yeah, I actually love her for it. I think it's such an endearing yeah. quality that. She tries really hard to be, like, comforting and optimistic in the face of, like, death and terrible bodily mutation. And 
it just doesn't work. Shepard is like a terrible patient in general and like very, he doesn't have the most positive outlook in majority of situations. So I feel like he's the worst person that she could be practicing her bedside manner on, but also she's just not very good at it either, <laughs> which is totally fair. Yeah, I think it's so funny because she's a diplomat. Should this be something? <laughs> she she excels at, but for some reason, no, no, she's not. I thought maybe it's because this time she's just really emotionally involved in this. And yeah, you're right. John is a terrible patient. He keeps talking about dying like I, I feel like he has just fully accepted that he's gonna die or that he should be killed um because of what he's becoming <laughs> and he's really not making this easy for her but I, I also love that he's he's calling her out on her terrible bedside manners it's yeah so funny it's just hilarious I think I made a tweet about it once like he's he asked her he's like so what's the prognosis or whatever and then she's like oh you're gonna be fine and in my head I'm like he's turning blue like how is he gonna be fine I, I just on what just terrible yeah and 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 he immediately calls her out on that like he's like I've got to be fine that's dead uh dead man walking talking now what, what I don't know what he said but yeah like just a terrible thing to say in that situation then later she's just speechless and he's like, mm -hmm, anything that has you speechless has me worried. I'm like, oh, oh, dude, you have no idea. True. <laughs> There's some really great Elizabeth and John this episode. Oh, yeah. It's just nice to just see Elizabeth because, I mean, I kind of forgot, like, we have really not, I mean, okay, yes, she was in duet. She had a part in duet, right? And she had a part in Trinity when she was like, yelling at Rodney. But I feel like, especially as compared to last season, I don't know, like maybe, or maybe I'm just sort of like romanticizing the last season, but I just feel like we haven't seen a lot of her. And it's just happy and like it just feels good to see her back in sort of like her original role, which is like more than just sort of the general or like the leader. Like she's very much like such a key member of the team and like. Her leadership skills are just fully, you know, on display. And, like, the qualities that, like, make her such a good leader of Atlantis and just make her such, like, a good character and, like, a good like, person, I guess, um, are all in this episode, right? Like, she's so worried for John, and she's so, like, she wants to be, you know, she's there for him. She's trying her best, even if she doesn't know how to do it, but she's not doing what John would have done, right? She's not putting everything on the line for him. Like, she's still taking care of Atlantis and not letting anyone cross that line. Yeah. And, like, you know, she doesn't want to... She's keeping everything together, and she's, like, wanting to keep him alive as well. The best yeah. of both worlds, but she's not actively committing war crimes to get him <laughs> back, as he would have done for her or for Rodney or for every, anyone in the team. Um, And so it's just really amazing to see her, especially because her and John have such a fun... And like a really good dynamic this episode and i will say i'm kind of not mad but i'm just a little annoyed because they have such a good dynamic this episode and it just kind of makes me sad this is episode like what like seven eight 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 this is episode eight and i feel like we haven't 
seen them like this really all season besides like the first episode really mm-hmm. so yeah so i'm a little mad that like it's just been so long since they've had like a good hangout session but i'm happy we got it i just want more <laughs> yeah yeah you're you're totally right um that she hasn't been a lot in the season so far because i feel like they were off world a lot um just like doing their own thing and she was just back in atlantis but yeah i really liked how she managed to to care for john and still that they showed that she's not losing oversight over the whole city because she was uh, simultaneously dealing with the cold wheel situation <laughs> uh which was also extremely fun to watch um i thought yeah i think you guys are totally right she is super pragmatic at the same time as being super caring uh and i think it's hard for people in leadership positions to really especially on TV, to maintain that balance without coming off as, like, callous. But she never comes off as, like, not caring. You can totally tell that there is a care there, there is a friendship there, there is a relationship there. The whole thing with the Caldwell situation, uh, it was really smart and practical of her to assign Caldwell uh, John's role on the base while his condition was kind of up in the air. Because this episode I believe takes place over a period of like two weeks. So two weeks on Atlantis without a military commander when you're kind of like actively being hunted by an alien race that is hostile is probably not a good idea. So it was smart of her to assign him but she also didn't lose, she didn't lose any or concede any authority to him. Like as soon as he started acting up and implementing military protocol without her permission or even discussing it with her first uh she was already right away on top of it being like why would you do this and i think it's great to see that confrontation and it's also great because we get to see a sort of glimpse into her and shepherd's partnership it kind of makes it clear that shepherd would go to her first and discuss something if he was making a change and would be like okay this is going to be the new security in the situation or this team um, is gonna be this in this situation, which is cool. Nice to know that they work together well. I also thought it was super interesting that she actually wasn't opposed to the changes that Caldwell had made to what Shepard had done, just the way in which she did it. Again, being a compassionate leader while at the same time being smart about stuff so not liking the underhanded way that Caldwell went about making changes but also understanding that maybe he's right I'm not saying Shepard is a bad military leader on Atlantis but I'm not the only one who has raised the idea that having two high level expedition members on the same gate team maybe not the smartest idea like Shepard and McKay being on the same gate team, Shepard being the military leader, Rodney being the science leader. Mm, If something goes terribly wrong and they're both dead, that's terrible for the base. But of course the show would not be any fun without them being on the same team. And so I understand. But anyway, yeah, Elizabeth, great. Yeah, um, I want to jump in about what you said um, about what Caldwell did mm-hmm. and um, that she was not like she was not immediately shutting him down and that she didn't like what the way he did it but also she 
didn't like the whole time she didn't lose um sight of like morale of of like the the expedition because um i think she says something about if they do all the changes right now not even like a day after um shepherd is in the infirmary and in cap um yeah just not there what kind of what kind of message would that send if they just started immediately making changes um as soon as he was hopefully temporarily temporarily out of the picture and i thought that was extremely interesting because um colwell i think he's an interesting character i think he's doing like he's he thinks he's doing the right thing he's very convinced of the things he's doing he, he might even be right but he he doesn't see the whole picture he doesn't see that just because he has this position right now means he can do whatever he wants and that there are that there are better th bigger things um to to consider i thought this was really really interesting and i'm not sure if john is aware of that as well but he just yeah as he said to her he has just a different rapport with elizabeth and they they're definitely it's just like it's just the, that he yeah he consults her when he wants to to make changes yeah yeah and i think that's exactly why elizabeth and john work so well together right as like the leaders of this base and why a military leader just doesn't work cough cough later seasons cough cough like i don't know there's just something so impersonal about having a military leader in charge and also just like having that sort of like stereotypical military guy in charge of john's role right how different would the show be if john was like a straight up like i believe in america type of guy <laughs> and like um, you know, yeah yeah seriously so that would be horrible the amount of infighting that it would have you know happened between like summer and elizabeth summer and like you know all the science people like i'm sure i don't really know how long that would have lasted honestly like i'm sure some <laughs> protests a little mutiny might have gone down um you know that could have been a whole season arc of john being like all right guys we gotta get rid of sumner <laughs> and then a whole mutiny happens and then they ship him back to earth and shut off the gate and say no no earth you can't come back here bye, like, bye we're our own colony lauren and parish are gonna get married um so, <laughs> yeah so it's just so different and i just that's what makes Atlanta so special to me, I think. A big part of not a big part, but like a part of it is that it's less overbearing military. And so well, it's fun though to see Caldwell come in and be that sort of like bad guy s character. Like he's an interesting character because yeah, like he's fun and like you know, we make fun of him all the time and like he's he's he has great scenes sometimes. But I love how they kind of sprinkle in like his awfulness. So, like, you're so charmed about, like, his actor and, like, him being all nice, Elizabeth, and being like, let's play poker. And, like, they just have, like, a nice, like, he seems to genuinely like Elizabeth. And then he turns around and he's like, yeah, John's about to die, so I'm going to change everything around here because he sucks at his job. And, like, it's like, whoa, like, where did this come from? Like, the 180 is wild. And I just like that sort of reminder that Caldwell brings, especially in this season. Like, hey, look, we could have had this. We could have had Sumner. We could have had this, like, super strict hardcore no nonsense like when he tells elizabeth that like he doesn't need to check in with her when it comes to military matters or whatever it's like bitch, you bitch. <laughs> like this is not earth this is atlantis this is the pegasus galaxy we do things a little different around here and so just yeah i just really like caldwell the season 
sort of the different perspective that he brings. And again, it just sort of makes us, like the audience, just appreciate John all the more and this sort of character and his style of leadership, right? And how him and Elizabeth just work so well together. But um, yeah, Caldwell sucks sometimes and he sucked this episode. But I'm happy he was here to one, to remind everyone that John is the best person for this job. Two, uh, so Elizabeth can get a bunch of her sassy lines in and absolutely kick his ass. Her lines of episode, iconic. 10 out of 10, bad bitch moment. Yeah. I have two things to say about the uh, Coldwell Elizabeth. The first one is about her, her amazing like comebacks. Um, <laughs> the last one, the last, the last scene between them, uh, when he says, yeah, uh, what does he say? Oh, no matter what you might think, I'm not your enemy. And she's like, yeah, you don't want to be. And I always have to think of the edits you made, Sam. <laughs> yes. For, I, was it for, was it for my birthday? Yeah. Yeah. I lost my fucking shit. I, I still think about this edit. And yeah, when this line came on, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That is an amazing line. And she then she just walks away. She's like hair flip and and leaves. It's just yeah, my drop. <laughs> Incredible. And then the other thing is, I honestly think personally that Caldwell has a massive crush on Elizabeth. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why he acts that way. And I think that maybe he he sees. Um, a relationship that John oh it, yeah he he's for one he's jealous of um John's uh position and he's also jealous of like the the relationship that John and Elizabeth have because they work so well together and they just have this friendship or whatever you want to see in there so i think there's a lot of jealousy involved as well but yeah, it, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't uh, excuse his uh, actions and he's still acting like an ass. But yeah, I was glad he was there. And when <laughs> when he asks if, if Elizabeth has, um, besides solitaire, also chess on her tablet, I was like, oh my god, she's so gonna kick his ass. Oh yeah, I can see her being the queen of chess for sure. Even that, yeah, and her relationship with Caldwell, yeah, is just so interesting. Because, <laughs> yeah, I really sometimes feel like he's, like, just trying to hit on her. <laughs> it's like, where yeah. did this come from? Totally, yeah. It's so funny. I think, and I, and I really don't mind that interpretation. It's just funny to me because, like, I guess, I don't know, like, especially because when she does, like, these super sassy lines, I'm just, like, I love that, like, he's into her. And I get the, like, I just love the idea that she's not into him. <laughs> <laughs> right because like, I love that like he's so nice to her and he's so like down bad and then she gets to just be like who are you or like what are you doing like to my friend like I don't know I kind of just love that that sort of dynamic is really fun and again it's just nice that like at least one person like he has one person on the base that he's like kind of cool with because obviously like he has tension with literally everyone else um, and for the right reasons but it's just nice to humanize him a little bit by just having that moment where he's he can be cool and he can be nice uh and then he turns around and he backstabs you yeah i think they are 
Like, generally speaking, I think they are on good terms. Like, yes, they butt heads a lot, but uh, they don't hate each other, in my interpretation. Um, it's just that they disagree on a lot of things. Probably one of the main reasons, because he's such a military military guy, and he's definitely not. And, yes. But, yeah. Fun, fun dynamic. Yeah, even that one line at the end, too, where he's still kind of, um, they know Shepard's going to be okay, and he's convalescing. And he's still being like, if Shepard returns to uh, his position in active duty, and Elizabeth is like, when he returns to active duty? And I just, she's amazing. What can I say? I also, in particular, really like the exchange where Caldwell is like, I know you and Shepard are super close and like if you want to talk about how you feel with me that's cool and she totally shuts him down and doesn't even acknowledge that he said that and I <laughs> I love that bit because I feel like there's it works on multiple levels like for her character she is very private person i feel like and so she wouldn't want to be like divulging her personal uh emotional feelings about it she has to maintain her appearance as a leader as well and appear as emotionally unaffected as possible so that she looks clear-minded and that people don't question her authority particularly caldwell who is already undermining her authority so yeah i just love her working on so many levels it's just wonderful it was a good scene yeah i love that she just immediately shuts down the um his idea or his insinuation that there's something yeah that could affect her her decisions concerning john because of their the relationship they have right it's, it's really good just and... so, yeah not having it we see evidence of that later on in the episode, too, where no matter how close they are and how much she wants him to live, like, after those two military dudes die trying to get the Aratus sample, she's like, I'm not sending any more people for one man. Even though she really cares about him, the team really cares about him, she's got to think of the greater good. So I love that she strikes that balance between the emotional and the leader, Without me being like, oh, she's cruel, or oh, she doesn't care. Like, I never feel that way about her, ever. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. John could never. <laughs> this is why. Yes, exactly. He could never on God's green earth be the leader of Atlantis. Y'all, there is no, no way in hell anyone should be putting this man in charge. Military leader, fine, because Elizabeth is the head honcho. She can control him. She will keep him in line. Him in general... As the leader, absolutely the fuck not. Atlantis would be gone. Or maybe the crew contingent is only like AR1 because everyone <laughs> else just was sent off to some rescue missions for, I don't know, Rodney or, <laughs> or Taylor or whatever. And John was yeah. just kept, kept sending people. <laughs> Sacrificing. So because he had to get his husband back. Whatever. Um... Yeah, no, yeah, he would be horrible. He doesn't, he doesn't have this. The emotional maturity. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know how yeah. to let go, mm -mm. which is like tea, but like, sir. 
And I think this episode even sort of says that in a weird way where um, <laughs> they're talk talk he's talking about how he feels going through the transformation. Um, and he mentions how it feels like, quote unquote, the best week of his life when he got to be on codeine for a week because he got his wisdom teeth pulled. That is the scariest line I think John Shepard has ever said on Atlantis. But I also think it explains a lot about him. Again, he hates having feelings. So to have this agent numbing both his physical and emotional responses to things was like the best week of his life. And so being Bug John is also great because he doesn't feel any, he doesn't feel anything. So <laughs> I just, I mean, wow. Someone get Heitmeyer on the phone because. Oh I was God. just going to say, say, sir, please, please go to therapy. <laughs> No, like, he's crazy. Like, oh my god. I love that line and am terrified of it. Because just the implications of it all, right? And it's also just like, I mean, you can go, like, super in-depth, too. Like, I wonder what age this was at, right? Like, oh, he doesn't yeah. really say that. I wonder when this was in his life. Is he living at home still? Is he in California in college? Like, I don't know what the whole deal is. Is he, you know, where is he at? But, um... Yeah, that's terrifying. And the fact that he, like, is genuinely like, yeah, that was one of the best weeks of my life. That was one of the best weeks of your... And that, that one little line, and I just love how sometimes one line can say everything. And obviously, I don't know... I don't know if we really picked it up until, like... I've, we talked about it before, this line. But I'm sure, like, this is not, like, one of the most, like, recognizable little lines about John, right? But I just love that one little one line can tell you so much about his character if when this episode premiered how john fans or how just atlantis fans in general reacted to hearing this piece of information right they don't know about where he got blacklisted they don't know why any of that happened so to get this little piece of information or one of the best weeks of his life is when he is numb all over it's like would have been like a huge bombshell and it's still a bombshell for us today because it's like even though we don't know his background it's still like I think John's sort of just issues, I guess, are kind of like, I don't want to, they're not subtle, but I feel like for regular or like for people who aren't like, you know, obsessively like scanning the text like we are or like, you know, or like aren't like on Tumblr or Twitter or whatever, I feel like most people are like, oh, John's such a happy-go-lucky guy. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if a lot of people realize how genuinely sad and like just a traumatized man he is. And this episode, just all of his issues are on display. And it's another, we get another episode later on where his abandonment issues are on display, which that'll be fun. But, you know, it's his control issues, his, like, feelings, his whole, it just everything about him as a character is, like, raw and vulnerable for everyone to see. And I, I do kind of get a little sad that people, I feel like, kind of miss that. And it's just these little lines that just give so much depth yeah, I think I'm actually one of those people who who thought he was like a happy go lucky guy before we started this podcast, and I was like, oh, okay, no, <laughs> this man is depressed. He needs help. Yeah, but I think not only do we see like his character in a different light in this episode, but also it's all it's all all just exemplified because um, 
not exemplified, amplified, just amplified because of what this bug thing is doing to you because I think it's messing extremely hard with his brain. Yeah, in 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 the way I interpret this is just that that it yeah, maybe exaggerates a lot of his feelings, emotions, um, character traits. Oh man, it's just so sad. Y'all it's just so sad this episode. <laughs> so it's when he's already like basically gone towards the last like twenty minutes, I think, of the episode. And uh so they give him that drug, right, to make him like lucid. Um so he can go on that mission. And it rips my heart out oh, that his first question is, did I hurt anyone? I just think that just says, again, it's just these little moments that just give so much character to who he is as a person. And that he's so, this would just be horrible for him, I think, right? Not to, not to bring up the therapist chair and to psychoanalyze my guy, John. But I'm just going to crawl into his brain for a second. But, like, it's just crazy to me that I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how, like, Antarctica, like, you know, how he's blacklisted, blah, 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 how, like, coming here, you know, he's kind of been, like, getting used to being around people and having these feelings and being, like, around a so-called, like, family that he didn't have, right? It's, like, his surrogate family. And it's these little lines, like, did I hurt anyone? And when he says, I'm not safe to be around anymore... And I just think, as the leader of the military expedition, right? And just as knowing his backstory, I think it would just eat him alive to have to ask these questions for people he should be responsible for and for people he loves and cares for. Um, so that against his will, he is turning into something, you know, beyond his worst version of himself. He's turning into something else entirely. Oh, I just think it kills him. Yeah, and I I think also what this shows is that he was aware of what was happening to him, and yeah. which is terrifying in a different sense, and also that he was aware of what he is capable of of doing and what harm he is um able to to inflict on others while he was becoming that other thing yeah and i feel like the the role of protector is so ingrained in him as a person in in his character like the scene in the middle when he goes to talk to elizabeth about being um put under guard and wanting to go on the mission um the fact that he's so restless and the fact that he doesn't want the team to go without him to the cave. And I feel like part of me thinks it's that part of him fighting the virus, that part of him that has fear for his team and that wants to go with them to protect them. But another part of it is his need for control, like you were mentioning, Sam. I feel like it's really hard for him to, like, sit back and let other people do the rescuing or do what he thinks he's best at or what he thinks his role is on the team. And we see, we've seen it before on the show and we'll see it again. I mean, Hot Zone is like a big one where he, he very much needs that control in these situations and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have bodily control and he doesn't have control over his team or the situation at all. Um, so I think that sort of 
desperation is interesting to see in Shepard in this episode for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it and it sucks. I think we've talked a lot about like him like getting used to and like kind of like the team like becoming a family right and like they're sort of building up to it gradually and it's these episodes like these that just kind of bring him back to square one yeah right and I, that that's heartbreaking is like he has to you know he's growing and he's kind of like learning and then he get you know he gets to this episode but and then he kind of ruins things with Taylor and like, you know, people die for him and all these things. And it just kind of like, I think it kind of brings him back into his shell. And this isn't the first time this season we're going to see that because we have Epiphany, mm-hmm. which is like, damn, double whammy. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> uh, I just feel bad for him. He's like stuck in this cycle in Atlantis. Like he can't leave because he loves it and he loves the mission and he loves his friends, whatever, whatever. But he gets put in these situations where he, he regresses and he doesn't ever get to learn. He doesn't ever complete that arc. No, and you're so right because I feel like the, the desire is there. Like he wants to trust. He wants to, but it, it doesn't like opportunities, situations don't present themselves. Like we just had Trinity not too long ago and... In the end of this episode, although it is Beckett's idea, John has to save himself in the end, really. Like, he's the one who has to go off-world. He's the one who has to go into the cave and get the eggs. And so, it's like, he does have to do it on his own, you know what I mean? Like, he does have to be his own rescuer and everybody else's, too. Save them from him and save himself at the same time. So, it's just... It's terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) It's so sad. So fucking evil. Yeah. 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 Just the nail in the coffin is the scene where, um, one of the scenes where Elizabeth goes to talk to him and the team is off world looking for the sample at this point. And she's like, do you want me to call anybody for you? And it's like, who is there for her to call? Like, his team is not on base. I doubt he's very close to anybody but her, who is currently on base right now. So, like, who is he going to ask for? (laughs) You know, it's just terrible. (laughs) There's so many lines that are just dreadful. Dreadful. Dude. Even this one of the saddest characters in media. Like, goddamn. It's yeah. like hit after hit after hit. Damn, and he just never really learns. No. Because he's alone in the finale. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I was so hung up on earlier, that he that there's just such a difference in how he perceives himself and his relationships with others than the people around him because they obviously care very very deeply about him i think the scene that shows it best in this episode is when the whole team is up i think it's after they 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 have they brought like the or when they're working on the remedy or whatever and the whole team is up just sitting there and worrying because they all can't sleep uh, because they're all just so worried. And then Elizabeth joins them, which I love. Because I'm so happy that she gets to be part of that family. 
for once, then I think, yeah, she says something about maybe saying goodbye to him just in case. And oh my god, they're just, no one is having it. And the way Rodney's voice breaks when he thinks about saying goodbye, they're like, oh, the whole, the whole team. And then all of them, yeah, just, just stay there and stay there with him, waiting for him to wake up, I think. It's just, oh. Yeah, there's both of those scenes I think are so underrated. There's something about Rodney sadly eating jello with the team that is just so it's so cute. It's just so the team this episode is just great. And that's the flip side of this like shepherd isolation thing. It's like this warm bubble of people that are there. <laughs> um in reality, like who do care about him and are there for him and do try. And yeah, those scenes that you mentioned 100% exemplify that. You know, Beckett not kicking them out of the infirmary and letting them stay with him uh, was also really sweet. Just fully underrated scenes, I think. Like, I feel like, you know, we talk a lot about like the funny and like sort of like the found family vibes, but I think they have, I don't know, I just love their like emotional moments. And I love when like, this is one of the rare moments that like, it's not just like, oh, Taylor and Ronan like it's not just like a pairing it's like the whole team right yeah the whole team is sad about John even with Elizabeth and the whole team decides at the end to stay by his bedside in the hospital like that's so so sweet just one of my favorite things uh, but I was gonna say I just randomly thought of this and I think it's so funny uh, I don't know if you ever watched um there's a movie called Meet the Robinsons whatever there's a clip like a really funny like People always use this clip in like Twitter and stuff. There's a clip of this kid and he's walking down the street and he's like, he's saying in a little voiceover, he's like, they all hated me. And the kid's like, this one kid's like, oh, hey, like, why don't you cover my house? They're like, hey, do you want to hang out? Like, they're all nice to him. But in his mind, he's like, they all hated me. And it, that's John. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's like, they don't care about me. Or like, they don't love me the way that I love them. And John, and, you know, Taylor and Rodney are like, we love you. Um, so it's just, <laughs> I think it's funny that he's kind of like his own worst enemy. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, he, you even literally see it in Doppelganger. He is literally his own worst enemy. There you go. Um, like, they are not subtle with this at all. Like, they are, like, hammering home this idea. But it's just funny that I think, yeah, that I think the team cares about him so much. And I think he knows that they care about him. I just don't know if he thinks if he's able to at this point to kind of like let his guard down, right? I think it's maybe too soon, maybe he thinks. And then plus then the, then the bug thing happens and it's like, all right, all right, back to square one. Mm. Like I can't do it yet. And it's just, yeah, yeah. I might be projecting at this, this point, but maybe he just can't accept that other people actually care that much about him. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like they do. I guess just like, nah, probably not. <laughs> Yeah. But I guess we'll discuss the team next because they had a lot of fun stuff happening on base and off. Yeah, we have like all of the pre-bug stuff with Ronan and Taylor and then yep. the team on and base. And the Taylor? Base. Yeah, Taylor. The Taylor <laughs> Especially at the end too. Oh god, yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like this episode, they weren't sure if they wanted Elizabeth to be the love interest or they wanted Taylor to be the love interest. And right? so they were kind of playing both teams 
So, like, yeah. they would have a basis if they ever went either way. I mean, I like it because it gives me, like, stuff for both relationships where I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> he has a relationship with two people yeah. that are women, at least. Yeah. That it's not yeah. just men. I mean, I don't like the, like, oh, we're all vying for the same guy thing. But I do like the, yeah. the other stuff. I feel like th- this episode is just a big one for a lot of character dynamics. Yeah. Involving John. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It's just a lot there. Even with Rodney, even though they don't even have a direct conversation in the episode, there was lo- a lot there. And Ronan, yeah. too. Even though he doesn't talk to John directly, again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we gotta move on from the John Shepard. Yeah. Psycho corner. Because <laughs> he's just a void. Like, I will just continue going on about him because he's just a vortex. But let's talk about the flip side of his trauma and his team. His team really caring and loving him mm. this episode. Tons of stuff. Tons of good stuff. I really liked when they're first talking about going on the mission and Beckett says his egg hunt line, which is really funny since we're recording this really close to Easter. <laughs> Just Rodney's facial expression when Lorne um, says that, you know, Shepard would go on a dangerous mission for their sake. So they should do it for him as like an argument to Elizabeth to let them go on the mission. I was like, damn, even his 2IC is like fighting for him. And that was really sweet. And it's true. Ooh. Right? He would. Yeah. 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 And you know, what's interesting, right? Have Lauren and John had like a single scene together? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I feel like it's always Lauren doing like base stuff when John is not on base. Yeah. Like talking with Elizabeth, but like never, I've never seen him talk to John, I don't think. Okay. No, no, no. I, no, I love that then. That it's like not even the character that we've seen him interact with and he's so like, John would do it for us or John would do it for you guys. Like, we have to. Like, that's really sweet. But I do wish we had a, like a John and Lorne moment. Yeah, just because like was, yeah. um, Ford was also his second in command. So it'd be weird. I mean, it would make sense. We saw them interacting together, John and Ford. So it makes sense for John and Lorne to hang out too, but, um, although Lorne is compassionate, but he's also pragmatic like Elizabeth, and he does, once those two red shirt marine dudes die, he's like, okay, mission aborted, we're not doing this anymore, like, it's not safe, and I feel like part of that is being practical, but I think another part of him is like, you know what, Shepard wouldn't want to risk these guys, so I'm not gonna risk them for his sake, because he wouldn't want that. Which, yeah. yeah, totally. And I also thought it was kind of comedic how um, when the two redshirt marines get stuck in the cave and Lauren is, like, calling them on the comm and they don't answer. And as soon as they don't answer, like, right away, he just throws a grenade. Like, there's no hesitation. <laughs> he is like, okay, well, you're fucked. <laughs> so bye. <laughs> yeah. Rip Walter, what, what, Rip Walker and Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> you died a horrible death. That, I don't know if they got exploded. Or... Yeah, we di- yeah, did they die before they, like, <laughs> it was the explosion that killed them? Was it the bugs? Both was horrible. Yeah. 
Was it like a mercy killing? Like he didn't want them to be killed by the bug, so like might as well throw the grenade so it's over quick. Like I don't know. I don't know what the logic was. Maybe he was like, nah, I don't want to deal with another John situation because they had one person turning into a giant bug. He was like, nah, that's enough. That's enough. I would take a grenade over bug food. I don't know what they do with humans, but um, I don't want to be there to find out. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, they 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 are like a precursor of the oh, race right or something. Right. So they, they do the next thing. Life out of you. Absolutely, <laughs> fuck not. Gotta love them, Also, a little team banter off world was cute too. Like when <laughs> when Ronan was teasing Rodney and <laughs> he like turns to Taylor and winks at her and Taylor like smiles at him. I thought that was cute. You know, even when they don't but- have lines together, Rachel and Jason always do some sort of like eye contact or something cool yeah. in a scene to make them really look like friends, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. He was so proud of his little joke and he wanted her to approve. And I, I think she did. <laughs> she did. Um, Begrudgingly, but. Yeah. <laughs> it was adorable. And I love how, um, how Rodney is always judging Ronan first for doing <laughs> stuff. Like he's picking up the, I don't know bug shit I guess <laughs> it just smells it and then when it turns out to be useful he's really interesting like oh okay so what do you think and it, it happens again and again it's just it's just really funny their dynamic is so just them that's like what they are mm-hmm. it's like you know like one of them do something first and then Ronald would be like oh like that, that's sick and then it's hel- yeah it's helpful he's like I mean <laughs> again he's like, let, let me make a note of that <laughs> you know like he's like Rodan is definitely I kind of just love that he's like the um, very much like protector it feels like a sworn shield type of thing for Rodney like he's Rodney's bodyguard <laughs> so those bodyguards at you yeah they work perfectly with this dynamic heck yeah like oh like the scene where Rodney's like okay I'm gonna wait out here someone should wait outside the cave and then Ronan's like okay, uh, you're going to be alone here when all the Raiders bugs come flying out. And then he's like, never mind, I'll be in the middle. I could just love that. Like, not Ronan telling him you're a coward, but just being totally realistic and, like, you're going to be killed if you just stay out here. So it's safer <laughs> if you come with us. <laughs> just the best. I love them. Yeah. There's that really fun shot of Lauren, Taylor, and Ronan turning to Rodney. But I think he says something like, oh, we should create a diversion or something like that. And they just all like slow turn to Rodney. <laughs> and there's like really underrated bits of humor here. Like it's just so cute. Oh yeah. For a heavy episode, the off-world levity was really needed and really fun. Also, you know what? I, I gotta give credit where credit is due for Beckett in this episode, where I know he feels responsible. And he really I mean should he, should he not? That's a debate in itself. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that he's, like, so brave and he's the one who, like, goes into the cave the furthest to try to retrieve the sample is crazy. Like, he was like, we came this far, might as well actually do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that I actually do like Carson's episode. I know we give him a hard time sometimes. And I think it, 
there's that really sweet moment in the beginning where Carson is like totally blaming himself, right? And then John's kind of like comforting him in like his own little unique John way. <laughs> um, and again, like just Carson throughout the episode is like, you know, giving Elizabeth the updates and just kind of like looking really sad and just like frantically trying to work, right? Like with his scientists, we get a whole little scene of the scientists, right? Like trying to figure out a way, right? Is it this episode where, yeah, are they talking? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm happy that they bring back sometimes like this giant group of scientists that are just there to like yell at each other and try to figure shit out. Because it's like, yeah, that's so real. So I do like that he kind of feels responsible because you kind of are. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy. Thank you for taking responsibility. And I wish, obviously, we know what's going to happen later this season. <laughs> so he definitely does not learn from his mistakes. No sorry. He says, let's go full steam ahead. 100 miles per hour but at least for this moment at least for this episode we can pretend that he feels semi-guilty yeah we can live in ignorance the blissful ignorance yeah. for like a couple more episodes yeah yeah <laughs> the rest of the season until the end um speaking of also kind of just like the little infirmary scene we get a little Ford name drop. Yeah, we do. So happy. <laughs> it's Ford, but it's kind of like, I don't remember exactly the context, but I'm pretty sure it's because John's like, I'm going to be like Ford. Yeah, yeah, he says he understands how how Ford felt, which was kind of scary because that should not be a good thing. No. But he, he appeared relishing in the fact that he was like, oh, yeah. This is this is how he felt. This is. Good. I think it's the same scene when he says that the line with the best week of his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yes, and it's always John who brings up Ford. It's like he's yeah. the only one who remembers. Yeah. Yeah, because he feels guilty. <laughs> <laughs> not to bring it back. Not to bring it back. Yeah. Sadness, but it's definitely because I think he feels responsible. Hmm. But I do, I love that. I kind of forgot that he mentioned Ford. And, you know, we're going to be seeing Ford in just a few short episodes. Oh um, so it's nice that, like, finally, like, someone understands. Because no one, obviously no one was just in that position where they could understand what Ford was going through. And obviously they tried to help, right? But it's not, you know, whatever they did just didn't work. Because maybe Ford was just like beyond help or he his insecurities took over. I don't know. It's nice that we get some acknowledgement of like, oh, okay, I get how Ford was feeling. Like he wasn't maybe entirely like crazy or whatever they want to label him as. Yeah, and if they hmm and if they ever met in the future, maybe he would have more empathy for him. Although I don't know if that's really the case when <laughs> that day yeah. may or may not come in the future. Uh, <laughs> I was I was wondering about that just just now if if he brings that up that he understands now what was going on with Ford yeah but I can't remember and if he did bring it up if it would make a difference for Ford if Ford would care yeah probably not at this point yeah I don't know well yeah. we'll see I guess in uh, just a few episodes yeah um, really soon we'll definitely have to keep a lookout for that to see. So I remember, no, but maybe we just weren't looking at it with, you know, our little investigative eyes. <laughs> I was going to say, too, I love, like, how this episode is first established. 
Mm. I love it. We rarely get to see an episode start off with, like, a direct continuation of the last one. Mm. Right? And it's so interesting because this isn't technically a two-parter, but, like, it, it is. Yeah. you can't yeah. watch it. And then it, we get, like, a little break with Aurora. And then we're going to get another two-parter. True. Um, so kind of an interesting structure this season. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we get the first little scene, um, which I love. And then I also just love how... Fitting with, like, the horror aesthetic, I love how, like, domestic it is in the beginning, right? We see John just going about his normal day. We see John going on a run with Ben, and, like, he's obviously, like, faster, and it's like, okay. But they're, like, teasing each other. Ronan's like, or John's like, am I always this mean to you, like, when you win or whatever? And Ronan's like, yeah. <laughs> or, like, am I a sword loser? Whatever they say. It's cute. Ronan's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. John's like, I'm going to go on another run. So they go on a run. And then we get to the Taylor and John scene, which is so cute in the beginning, because here they are just sparring, like I feel like they do on any regular, regular day. And then we get something not so great. <laughs> and I want to be so clear. I don't think it's, it's not that it's a Taylor and John kiss. If they were on a date, you know, in any other episode and they kissed, I don't have to like it, but it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah, it's just not something I shit, but that's fine. In this episode, though, it's actually terrifying. It's really scary on, like, so many levels. And it just... And I don't know if it's hard to explain, right? But it's, like, in a weird way. Obviously, different circumstances, kind of. But, like, it's very much, like every woman's nightmare because <laughs> no woman wants to have their boss come <laughs> on to them no woman wants their boss to come on to them in like a work setting right and it's also just like the levels of like creepiness are just so deep because okay he's her boss right not not only like her the boss of you know the military division he's like directly her boss she reports to him she's his subordinate okay then it's like you add on to the fact that like her people the athosians are still like kind of around on the mainland we haven't seen those bitches in years but they're there and so it's like she like needs to kind of have this job to like stay in the know and to like keep their interests like, in the minds of, like, the higher-ups, like, Elizabeth and stuff. So, like, she can't really not have this job. Like, she's doing this for her people as well as for her. And so it's just, like, a really uncomfortable scene with so many layers to it. Because how do you... How how would she go about telling this to anyone when it's the leader of the military expedition and you're an alien... People don't trust you, right? You've already been, like, accused of being, like, a race sympathizer and all this stuff. And you're going against, like, the hot shot of the base. How do you express your discomfort? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's, you said uncomfortable. I think that's one of the best ways to describe the scenes. Uh, the scene, um, not just this scene, but, yeah, their interactions. And, um... Yeah, so obviously he acts this way because, okay, again, this is my interpretation. It's the bug DNA that makes him act this way, right? So he, he wouldn't 
do that he wouldn't go around kiss members of his team um if he hadn't been, hadn't been yeah if he wasn't turning into a bug but at this point they don't know that but yeah I don't really have a point right now, but it's just, yeah, it's so uncomfortable. And I, I hate, I also hate, I hate the, uh, the position Taylor is put in, and I also hate her reaction because I don't think it's very in character. Uh, it's just so unnecessary, right? Like, I don't get what this does for any of their characters. Taylor acts out of character. She just does nothing, and then, like, they don't address it till the end. And she's like, don't worry about it. We're fine. And it's like, okay, what was the point of that? It'll, I, I also think it just, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin John, right? Because it's like, okay, we know it's like a bug thing. But I also think it's just like, it just makes him, and maybe this is what they were trying to go for, by like making him like scary and like he's turning, like he's like changing. But I don't know, it's just like, it makes him a little too scary, right? Like, it, I don't know if this is them trying to test the waters to see if a romance would work, but this would be a horrible This is way. the worst way to test that! <laughs> to test. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Have them go on a date. Have them end up being alone on a mission or something to see if the chemistry is there. Like, there's a million trillion other ways to do it, and you pick, like, literally one of the worst ones. Like, it, they don't even take off. They, they're on an airplane, and the ship doesn't even get off the runway. The ship breaks. They're, like, going down the runway, and it, like, explodes like <laughs> that's how i feel after the scene because it's like why on earth yeah yeah so i think because this episode is playing into horror elements i think i want to give the writers the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they were trying to play into like that aspect of horror like this idea that you are not in control of your impulses and it leads you to do things that are uncomfortable or out of character. Not just a physical transformation, but like a personality transformation and how that can be even more horrific than like a physical transformation. Because in all honesty, that scene was uncomfortable. Like I agree with both of you. I think it was not, it was just uncomfortable. Like <laughs> the Bantos fighting was fun um, up until the end where it wasn't fun anymore. And yeah. I'm hoping they didn't write it because they thought it would be, like, a sexy thing. Because I didn't find it sexy at all. I didn't think it was at all. <laughs> because maybe if she had reciprocated and we knew that it was, like, a mutual thing, then it's okay. But even then, it's a little bit iffy because we know that Shepard isn't in his right mind because he's sort of already in the transformation process. We can tell from his interaction with Ronan earlier. So, yeah, just all around, not great. If the intention was for it to be, like, a sexy thing and setting up a romance, terrible. If it was more for, like, leaning into the horror element, which I doubt, but I'm just gonna say for the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> fine. Okay. Yeah. I accept, and also the fact that John had asked her if she was okay after, which is like, okay, a little bit of his personality is peeking through in there. So he's still in there. So I'm like, okay, we see him <laughs> a little bit. So it's a little bit better, but again, still uncomfortable. Yeah, that asking her if she's okay was like the one, one tiny uh, in this scene because 
before that he says that was interesting and it just it makes was everything it? so much worse it's creepy. Oh, yeah. The creepiness is just off the scale. And, yeah. Thing, though. And here's the thing, though, right? I totally get where you guys are coming from in, like, the whole, like, um, like, the horror aspect, right? And I think that's fine. Like, here's... Here's how... If they wanted to keep that, like, horror aspect kiss thing, here's what... Just have them be fighting with the sticks and then have him, like, suddenly, like, drop them and then kiss her and then it's like oh my god what the fuck did i just do what i don't like is like the build up right is like the way he like pushes her against the wall mm-hmm. and doesn't let her get off the wall mm-hmm. and then is like call me john and she's like oh, oh <laughs> john and then he kisses her that's my problem right if it was just like a we're fighting we're i'm normal Suddenly I kiss you. Then it's like, what the fuck did I just do? Runs away. Are you okay? Runs away. It's like the the creepy, like, why is this bug sexual? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why does this bug have, like, seducing techniques? Like, <laughs> girl, doesn't it lay eggs? Like, it doesn't need to be doing all this. There's no whining and dining in bug culture. Like, I don't know. He didn't need to, they didn't need to have her or him push her against the wall and, like, literally keep her there. Like half are kind of like immobile, like that. Uh, I really—that's my problem with it. I yeah. really don't like that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think my thing is that it for me it just seems like such like a like they're trying to be like all cool and be like, oh look, we're hinting at like they're they're gonna be a romance mm-hmm. or like they're gonna be like you know. And I also kind of <laughs> I might get a lot of hate for this, but I also just want to like kind of take a jab that it kind of seems like they were like copying sam jack Mm. wasn't sam and jack's like first kiss was like when they were cavemen or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no i was thinking the same thing and then they were then they were like oh no sorry like it was just like an accident and then i feel like they were trying to do that thing but it totally falls apart because taylor is normal and not under an influence as well Yeah. Yeah. This is this is John's worst kiss. Uh, Which is sad considering considering he has some of the worst partners. (laughs) Considering Yeah, considering there's that one where he's literally being held hostage by that by that terrible like keep getting her. (laughs) Good, good. I don't wanna get to there. Oh god. I know. We're gonna be crying. Blocking those episodes. First John kiss by far. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even use it in my edit to slander all of his kisses. <laughs> I said this one's too ugly. We can't. Yeah, yeah. The redeeming thing about that scene, besides the shepherd, are you okay? Part was mm-hmm. Taylor's outfit. Her yeah. outfit slayed. I need her skirt. Oh yeah. I need her crop yeah, top. Like... I need it. Mm-hmm. The way it flows when she's spinning around. Gorgeous. Awesome. She should not have to have dealt with his bug ass. Stupid ass. What I was wondering about is I am pretty sure that Taylor did all her fight, like Banjo's fighting, but did not Taylor, um, Rachel. Mm. That Taylor did all those scenes, like, herself. Was that also true for, for Joe? Do you know that? I don't 
think so. Because I feel because like I when I was this, watching it, this... it didn't look like him at one part. Right? Yeah. There was, there was some parts where it's like, is that, is that Joe? Um, because, but I know that there is behind the scenes footage of him, of John with like the Bando's rods. But I mean, True. they always have like a collage or something. But it's not always him, right? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think it's probably a mix. Like, I'm pretty sure he did, like, some, and then, it, like, the actual experience people did some of them, too. Like, yeah. I think it was a mix. Like, maybe they they filmed it both ways, too, and then maybe they liked the take with the stunt guy better <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, yeah. so they included it instead. Yeah. But um, go Rachel, though. Hello. She acted her She's ass so off cool. in this episode. Can I just say, like, all of her scenes are really good. Like, I don't know, top tier. The stuff she had to deal with and then acting that well, it was great. Yeah. While we're on the topic of Taylor, I want to bring up, we talked about this last episode that she was really badly hurt um, because Elia just, like, threw her out of the way or something. And she probably had a concussion or something, we don't know, but she was bleeding and shit. In this episode, like, when this one starts, it starts directly after the last scene. And we, where's Taylor? We don't see her. We don't see her getting into the infirmary. We see fucking, we see fucking Rod. Like, it's funny. When we see Rod, they having a splinter. Wait, where's Taylor? Where's Taylor? Please, I need my Taylor must scene in the infirmary right now. I, I wanted to write it, but I forgot. <laughs> I got okay, sidetracked. You still can <laughs> It's true. <laughs> we'll, we'll add it to our our fic rec corner <laughs> at the end of the episode if I manage it. Yeah, <laughs> but I was so I was like hoping for like a little bit where they bring Taylor in or she's like in the background getting her head checked or something. But yeah. nothing. They just forgot about her. That's so funny. Oh, I could have. Oh, that's random though. Like obviously, I love the Rodney splinter joke. Yeah. Um. <laughs> They could have had, like, Taylor sitting there already or, like, is, you know, getting wheeled into. Yeah. And Carson making a joke, like, even Taylor has a more serious injury than you. And he's just like, well, he just hit her head or something like dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's, there's opportunities were there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does make me, like, kind of, like, sad right we've talked a lot about how Taylor's just been kind of pushed aside or just kind of been passive this season right and I think she gets some good stuff right this episode but she also has bad stuff and the John stuff yeah the love interest so stuff that I, I don't like yeah yeah and so yeah I am I'm nervous as we keep going into the season because we don't have a Taylor centric episode really this season unless you count like Michael Mm. That one's even worse for her. <laughs> yeah. I am I'm grateful though for the way that the episode ended. I'm glad they didn't just have them randomly kiss and just never bring it up again. Like I'm glad that they both had that talk. John came strolling in with one of his best outfits. I know his little beach love. Little beach bum oh. blue outfit. It's so cute. Um he looks very preppy. Mm. And I'm glad that they kind of have a little talk and he's like trying to apologize in his little John way. That's terrible. Without saying sorry. Wanted, 
he like jumps straight to it and she's like don't worry about it don't strain yourself <laughs> it's okay and they're good and i just love that they're that like good of friends that they can just be like all right and they just move past it yeah yeah and yeah, it doesn't affect like them people. after in terms yeah, of continuity which is good yeah my question it- is how do you guys interpret her sigh at the end her blowing out air after their conversation Ooh. I think that was just her absolutely dreading that uh, <laughs> that little talk. Yeah. That was my interpretation. Like she was like she knew, or she probably assumed that something was coming because they just left it as it is, and she knows John and his awkward way of trying to talk to people um, oh, about yeah. feelings. Um, so I think she she probably thought about the kiss but also in like she had it now in context with everything that happened to him so she knew he would come to talk to her and she just wanted to just get it behind them as soon as possible and as quickly and uh yeah as possible and then it happened and she was just like relieved that they made it <laughs> yeah i agree yeah, I I really wonder what they told Rachel. Like, I wonder what they were like. All right, sigh like you're in love, or like I wonder what like direction they tried to give her for that. Because I feel like definitely feel like the writers were like, it's because she re- like I feel like they were like, it's because she like is thankful that like she's not to, or she John is another like he she has feelings for him or something yeah she's like flustered. I feel like yeah like she's flustered like she sighed she turned her back so she didn't see her like sigh of like relief like oh he didn't catch my feelings or whatever yeah yeah I don't believe any of that um, <laughs> but <laughs> I definitely believe what Ash was saying um but I just makes me wonder again like what did they tell her mm. I wonder what they told her to do at the end like I like the relief route I think that's fair um, I was telling Ash earlier, I just feel like it, this episode is so interesting because it really focuses, well, it doesn't really focus on Taylor and John's relationship that much, but I feel like it, it tries to tease a John and Taylor relationship while at the same time teasing a John and Elizabeth relationship because they're at a certain level of closeness in this episode as well. So it's interesting that they were like hedging their bets. And um, trying to see, like, maybe what fans liked the most or who had the most chemistry on screen um, this episode. Even though I feel like they went about the tale of one absolutely the wrong way. Yeah. It's just interesting to see them setting up stuff or trying to set up stuff or test stuff out. Nice, because it gave us some really nice Elizabeth and John scenes, which I appreciated. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't ship either of Elizabeth, John, Taylor, and, and John. But it's interesting to me, like, just kind of sort of, like, the comparison between the two dynamics, right? Mm. Like, I just feel like John and Elizabeth are just so much stronger at this point in time. Like, they genuinely have, like, a Mm -hmm. better, like, friendship. They seem to just really care about each other. And, you know, we have other characters, like Caldwell, like, hinting, like, oh, my God, you really care for him. You're, like, you guys are really close. And she's, like, yeah, right? We've seen it, and I feel like we get it that they're like it feels even though we haven't seen john and elizabeth really interact as much right this season because she's just been out of the show um i buy everything she's saying when she's saying like i'm so worried about him or like blah blah blah. um like we have to help him like i buy that she is that close to john 
what Taylor, right? Like this episode is no favors for the relationship. No. When Tor, when you said that it's interesting that this episode kinda highlights um the John simultaneous the the John Taylor and the John Elizabeth um relationships that it I yeah, obviously I, I used to ship um Sparky a lot. So I was always focused on that. But now with a bit of distance and watching it again and trying not to be too biased, I again felt like there was just so much more chemistry between them. So much more yeah, you you felt um like there was something there instead of being told that there is supposed to be something there. At least that's how it feels to me with 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 <laughs> So many ships. Oh, uh, with Taylor and John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see what you guys are saying. I mean, for me, this is just my personal preference usually, so it might be my bias showing, but like with Elizabeth and John scenes, there is more of an emotional core. It's less about like the physical and more about the like, I care about you, I also care about you sort of thing. Talking about emotions and feelings and or talking around emotions and feelings. Whereas with um Taylor and John scenes in this episode it was more like well I kissed you and it was awkward mm -hmm. it was more of a physical thing and with no like emotional conversation or emotional build-up so yeah I just felt like the leaning was more in the Elizabeth John direction than in the John Taylor direction for me this episode which may or may not have been unintentional because I have actually pulled a quote from Martin Giro from an old Gateworld forum where he basically said, Shepard and Taylor have a very special friendship. Will it blossom into more? You'll have to wait and see in the episode conversion. So they were really pushing the Taylor and Shepard and don't make any mention of Elizabeth at all as a potential romance for John. So just very mixed messaging very strange i don't know how i'm supposed to feel it's just weird you know there is one scene where taylor's put in a position where she might have to shoot john and she doesn't want to but i mean like i feel like anybody in her position like lorne or ronan would also be like i don't want to shoot you with a machine gun so it's kind of hard to be like you know it's because she's in love with him no yeah. like they're also friends too right so yeah yeah, I, I just wonder that if they were trying to push things so hard for this ship or for this relationship, why hey, why didn't they do it better? Like why <laughs> why didn't they yeah, as you said, why didn't they show any emotional component there that was a bit more clear? Yeah. Like last um, yeah. season we have some of it. Like we have um, John protecting Taylor from uh, scrutiny and suspicion and that sort of thing. But that's suspicion. That was episode five. Like, that's the last time yeah. I can really think of that you could be like, okay. Yeah. I, any other time? No, not really. <laughs> Ooh, spicy. Um, yeah, no, it definitely feels like to me they were like, okay, we're going to do John and Taylor. And then it's like the whole... Well, like, just the era, right? Where it's, like, they were casting, like, POC characters, but, like, mostly as side characters, hmm. right? And so it kind of just feels like they were, like, we're going to set up John and Taylor. And then they just didn't 
put in the work or the effort. Mm. And they tried to, and they, like, still today, they try to gaslight us and be like, well, no, Taylor and John are supposed to be together. Like, How? in the movie, like, they Where? ended up together. And it's like, you guys didn't even put in the effort for them to have, you know, for Taylor to have her own solo episodes. And you're trying to tell me that John and Taylor were supposed to be the it couple. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. They didn't, they didn't put in the work um, for the John and Taylor relationship, which is... Unfortunate because it is possible to, to to make that like I I'm beginning to wonder if the if the actors agreed with with this um course they were taking mm-hmm. or with this idea because I feel like actors can do a lot like very a lot of subtle um things like just <laughs> as we mentioned like every time it happens with. Taylor and Elizabeth, for example, they have a lot of like nonverbal communication going on there. I'm not sure how much of that is um, was scripted and stuff, but I I don't remember. Like maybe also because it's not my focus, but I don't remember a lot of that happening between John and Taylor. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. So if you're if you're uh, uh, John Taylor shipper or just enjoy or whatever, and you you disagree, please please tell us. Well, tell me. I know I'm I'm genuinely interested as to what made people ship them and see this this relationship. Absolutely, I want to yeah. hear too. Screw the men, and screw John being the leading man. Let's talk about. Yeah. The little tiny tail of crumb that we got in the episode <laughs> where um, it was a scene where Caldwell was like, we're going to use force on John to make him submit. And then everyone was like, ooh, that doesn't sound good. And um, Taylor looks at Elizabeth and nods to her like, don't worry, I'll make sure we get him back in one piece. And I love her for that mm-hmm. and love them. For protecting him and doing their best as a team and being so like non-verbally parlaying information it's just ugh, so good yeah i forgot that this scene is in this episode because a while ago i made a post about that on tumblr where i was just completely freaking out about this tiny tiny hint of a crumb yeah i i it's just it's uh, everyone is already already going off like to go after John and then Ronan leaves and he asks a little uh, he asks Taylor if she's coming and she looks at uh, Elizabeth and they kind of have this nod and then they, they they leave and yeah to me it's also I like I like your interpretation of that of of Taylor being like don't worry I got you I know what you mean I know how to solve this <laughs> without <laughs> the biggest violence, uh, <laughs> the biggest bloodbath. Um, but also I feel like it was just like a silent, um, yeah, the silent support between them and Taylor kind of checking in on Elizabeth if this was actually what you wanted and then like, yeah, okay, I got you and I got him. <laughs> We're gonna solve this. <sighs> I love them. Yeah, it's literally so cute. We were talking about it, I think, before the episode started. 
we're saying how little we've seen because I mean, just Elizabeth just hasn't even really been in the show so far for this season. But I'm just happy we got a crumb. Although I gotta mention my boy in the scene, Rodney's little nervous um, finger movements at the computer. He was like just doing stuff with his hands, like not even typing. He was just kind of like, "Oh, <laughs> I would. I just wanted someone to give him a hug." <laughs> he was so nervous. I okay. Well, since we're on the topic of Rodney, we gotta go on <laughs> to McShep. <laughs> I I will eat this shit up. I ate this shit up. This is a great episode for those McShep coded moments. Um, but one of my favorites is when John is going to the planet to get the little egg things, mm. and. He's got his hood up. He's not looking at anyone. He doesn't want anyone to see him. Sorry, Rodney's super excited. He's like, hey, or he's like saying like, oh my God, like you're out. And his smile dropping when he notices that John's not even looking at him and it's just fully going straight into the wormhole was, wow, hurtful. I know, I know. It's so like, it's such a moment because it's, it's so interesting to see Rodney trying to be like, optimistic and happy and like cheer John up instead of it being like John distracting Rodney from his like doomsaying and it's such a different feeling it's so it's so oh man you just want to squish Rodney for trying his best in that scene <laughs> just some great mixed crumbs overall yeah like every like almost every scene yeah, even without them having to directly interact, like, again, the Jello scene, which is iconic. I really love that, that scene where he's really iconic. upset about having to say goodbye to him. And, um, you know, the look on his face when Lauren talks about how Shepard would do anything for them. Because I know, I think in his heart, he believes it's true, too. And I don't necessarily believe in this interpretation, but I thought it was really cute and I will share it on our pod. Someone on, I had gift the scene in the infirmary uh, once where, um, just the beginning scene with the splinter, and um, someone had mentioned the tags like, oh, maybe Rodney is taking along not just because of the splinter, but because John's pride wouldn't allow his team to like fret over him for something like a minor injury. So Rodney's like, they're like in guy and he's going to the infirmary. He's going to report back to Taylor and Ronan and be like, he's fine. He's just, they, they did just stitches. He's okay. Once he gets his splinter taken out, which I thought was cute. That's a cute thought. <laughs> that is a cute thought. I thought you were going, I love, I thought you were going to say that he just didn't want to, that he secretly, yeah, that he wanted to check just on John and see that he's maybe not alone and he's like I'm here for you boo yeah exactly with my boo boo yeah. <laughs> no I see that's a, yeah when you were saying that I was like okay I was like I don't know if I believe that and then you said the part of like him reporting back to Taylor and Ronan I was like I believe that yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that Rodney would go to the infirmary um just to be there with John and pretending to have a splinter. That man dad has had a splinter. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that he got a splinter and he was like, go it. And Taylor and Ronan pulled him aside and were like, report back to us. And he was like, all right, got you. And then he went in, very loudly complained about the splinter so no one would notice. 
And then he scampered back to them and said, he's fine. Yeah. Which That's he wasn't. Which you, no, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, yeah. They had no idea. They, they care about him. They do. So much. Yeah. Even Ronan wanted to go in by himself into the Erratus cave and get the sample himself because he was like, maybe if I go alone, I'll be more stealthy and it'll work. They're ride or die, all three of them. All four of them. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Throw in Carson. Yeah. Fuck it. Six. Throw in Lauren. <laughs> True. Fuck it. The whole I team. Mean, the whole base. The, the, two, the two guys who died actually <laughs> did die for him. Yeah. True. <laughs> right, you're right. I was going to say, too, Ooh. just a little random funny sign that since we're on uh, Ronan. The way... When Ronan picks up John anytime, it literally looks like Joe is a Barbie doll next to Jason Momoa. <laughs> when he picks him up, it's just like, you look fake. Which you is insane. This child's toy. Because they're yeah. both extremely tall. Like, they're both of them are six over six feet. Right? Isn't John also? I mean, Joe also? like So, yeah. like, him carrying another six foot something dude. And making yeah. him look like the tiniest guy on Earth is insane. Also, the lightest guy on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it's, it's because he's so, like, kind of skinny, or, you know, Jason's, like, not that even, the funny thing is that Jason wasn't even peak, like, Momoa, right? No. He wasn't peak, like, Cal Drogo strength, right? He was just, like, a big guy with some decent muscles. <laughs> so imagine if he, like, picked up John, you know, like, ten years later, like, Jesus, the size difference would be crazy oh man <laughs> it's not too late maybe one day we'll see it oh <laughs> i think one one scene i don't know if that's significant but one scene that i i know like because it involves elizabeth of course throughout the episode elizabeth continues to visit um john in his um man cave um <laughs> <laughs> and he just uh, when he continues to devolve, whatever, and it's I think it's the last time she goes to visit him, and I I don't I don't re even remember what the bad news are, but um, she goes in there alone, and I think she's so brave. I don't know. I th I would be terrified, uh, seeing what he so far like smashing the window in her office and shit like that and just slowly becoming a lizard person um and <laughs> uh, I don't know but the scene I'm talking about is the one where he chokes her <laughs> maybe yeah um and I, that's just insane to me and I, I because I'm just such an Elizabeth stan I keep I know, I, I think I might have written a fic at some point, some way, someone, sometime way back, where I explore but her feelings in that in that scene and how she must have felt of just getting almost the, the life choked out of her in that scene and him, but him stopping, he, he doesn't kill her, which is, I don't know, I think that's also maybe still the John shining through that he he hurts people, yeah. <laughs> he hurts her, and also the two marines who are um, outside his door um, on guard. And um, but he he still holds back, and he, so he doesn't hurt anyone badly. But yeah, I thought I I don't know. 
why, but this scene is I like the scene when when he kind of drops her right she slowly like she she uh, and then uh, I'm not making any sense right now. I'm just rambling because I like the scene. It's a good one, but he <laughs> i I don't know, I think it speaks again to to Elizabeth's character that even after she almost died um in my interpretation uh she still somehow managed to collect herself and go outside and check on the other people who look seriously injured and probably lost their consciousness right now and just inform the base what is going on right now and yeah that's it that was a lot of rambling i'm sorry <laughs> no you're totally right oh, and like even her you know, continuing to talk to him and try to reason with him, like, while she's getting choked out, is pretty admirable, too. It's insane! Yeah. But, one last question, which is something we have not really talked about, because we're so obsessed with his sadness, but I wanted to ask a question for the gang. A really important question. One that has been debated countless times over. I'm really curious to see what you guys think. Is... Bug John Hot. Listen. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> As the resident monster fucker in this house, on this podcast, <laughs> maybe the first to say. <laughs> yeah? I think I'm gonna be the lame-o here and say I find the like half transformed, half untransformed shepherd to be at his peak. The full one is just too bug for me. And also I feel like he looks more fucked up when he's like half normal and half not normal. So I'm gonna go yeah. for the most grotesque peak grotesqueness for me and say, yeah, mid-transformation shepherd can get it. <laughs> You know what? As a not mo monster fucker, <laughs> yeah. Let me know. <laughs> I'm biased. You know what? I I will make the exception. I I do think he's hot to a point. Yeah. There we go. Right. And then at one point he just it's too fishy. It's too scaly. <laughs> a little too reptilian. I'm not trying to feel that type of material rubbing up against me. Fair. Well, well, yeah, no. Um. See, so up to a certain point, yeah. I feel like I'm just gonna make it much more weirder. Oh, go for it. Well, we already are here. We're, we're, we're here. here. I'm the weirdest, so it's okay. Um, I paved the way. I paved the way. Because, okay, so baseline, I'm gonna say no, mm. but. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, I have to. I'm just making it all weird now. Um, I feel like through his transformation, his hands were getting bigger. <laughs> and I like hands. I think hands are... It's very weird. And it's... I know this is weird. But I I don't like... I don't really like his monster hands. But... Okay, maybe I do. <laughs> Embrace it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my verdict. So it's like that's fair. only his hands. Though. That's fair. I <laughs> yeah. I I yeah. 
okay, I can get behind that. If you would have said feet, we would have had to kick you out. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> that's not okay. We never saw them. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Don't even joke about that. Mm. I'm joking. We are hand enthusiasts. I draw the line at feet. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. That's my line. That's that, honestly my line. That's one thing I will kink shame to no end. Everything yeah, else I'm is begging. fine, but that's just not okay. <laughs> to be. Yeah, I'm trying to like remember the monsters in my life that are like, okay. And I'm trying to think about them now. I'm thinking, okay, in The Shape of Water, he had like flippers, right? Think of that movie as well. I, th- I, it would make sense. Because he's a, a water, a water creature. Yeah, and then his character in um, Hellboy similarly has flippers. I think I could be wrong. Oh, <laughs> flippers! I love that you were just bringing up Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. He always plays it's like fine because yeah, you know monsters. Yes. So... I mean, he's the reason I'm an alien fucker, okay? Yeah! Oh. <laughs> One of Okay, us. you know what? Me and Half Bug John could live a great life in a cave. Oh, you cannot wait for my Fic Rex this week. They're just... They're just... <laughs> you... We can live in a cave with John! Oh my god! I'm so excited! Oh my god! That'd be great. Anyways, well, I'm glad we settled this debate. Yeah, yeah, me too. You heard it here first, folks. And please message us, add us on Twitter, add us on Tumblr. Um, Tell us what you think about Bug John. We want to know. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know. Is he hot or not? Yay or nay? Smash or pass? Yeah, smash or pass. Okay, wait, okay, one last thing. All the kids are saying it these days. <clears throat> okay, Wraith or I no, sorry. Wraith. Ooh. No, Wraith or I Gould. Ooh. Fuck Mary Kill. Oh right no! Oh! This is terrible! <laughs> oh my Honestly, god. Kill the Ori. Kill the Ori. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Very annoying. So Mary Gould, no question. Um if it's like ball, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Like, I, I mean ball. Yeah, ball I would exists. fuck marry and kill that guy. To be honest, but yeah. if I had to, I would, I would marry him. Um, and right. then fuck because ah, uh, because I wanted to uh, to kill the Ori because they just mm-hmm. no, yeah, the Ori need to die. I would have to fuck right. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it wouldn't be bad. Just, like, put their hand, like, make sure they're not, like, sucking you while, yes, right? Yeah. So you don't, yeah, right? It's just, like, move the hand away. <laughs> and you're good. You Close your just... eyes. And it can just be a one-time thing. It's yeah. Yeah, like... exactly. That's what I'm thinking as well. If, like, they, yeah, I don't want their, that's a, that's one time I don't want their hands near me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like no, you can. <coughs> Sorry, just tie them up or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tie them to the headboard. It's fine. I mean, they um, they all look like they're they're leather people anyway, so it's fine. 
True, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have we done? I don't know. Although, all right, all right, all right, corporeal. Oh. Well, here's the thing. Because that's pretty interesting. <laughs> if it's Adria, fuck. Um, oh, if yeah. it's anyone else, death. <laughs> Yeah. Jail. Yeah. 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 Because who would want to be married to the Ori? Like, that's like being married to like a youth pastor. Yeah. (laughs) The most toxic. Yeah. Like like a a spectrum. Yeah. It's. Uh, Your worst nightmare. Because then they have to dry. You have to go to like prostration and like be a good example. Exactly. Hell no. 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 Nope. Nope. Also, what's her name? Oh my god. I don't know. It's the most random ass goal, but I'm always like, oh my god, she's so pretty. Amaratsu, the Japanese. Oh, yes! oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. 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 Fair. fair. Ooh, I yeah. You know, you know she actually um auditioned to play Taylor. She would she <gasps> could have played Taylor. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh I didn't cool. know that. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Also, I think she could have done obviously we love Rachel. Yes. I don't want anyone. Change. Yeah, no. Rachel's great, but I think honestly she would have done great too because she seems she's so she's just pretty. Yeah. Yes. She's great. I think seeing her fight with the Bantu sticks would have been. Ooh. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. Sexual awakening. Yes. I'm not sure, but I feel like I'm not sure if I I can pronounce her name, but Noji. Yeah. 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 She looks. Mm, Man, this is getting this is getting personal. But she looks like a woman who could crush me, <laughs> and I kind of like them. Fair, <laughs> yeah. fair, fair. So, fair. I mean, her, yeah. her her arms, her damn, yeah, yeah, damn. That's fair. Damn. I, was say, I was gonna say her too. She's just a little. She's just straight up evil. But I can she's, ignore that for two scary. seconds. Yeah, yeah, she's scary. yeah. She's scary. But oh, damn. I think balls are number one choice, though. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Too. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Fair. Guys, let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> anyway, the episode. <laughs> Back to the recording. Um, and that was it for the main portion. Next up is our Bechdel test. Ash. Yeah, this episode does not pass. Yeah. As yeah. far as like remember I didn't write anything down, but I don't accept the nonverbal scene between Taylor and Elizabeth. I don't remember anything. Um we're no. two women were on screen. So what 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 And then next up we got the behind the scenes with Tor. Alright. So getting into the behind the scenes. In the Stargate Atlantis, the official companion for season two. This was a um, one of those book magazine things that were published in, I think, 2006, with after the airing of the season. Uh, it revealed that this episode was Rachel Luttrell's first on-screen kiss. And according to the audio commentary for the episode, her parents were actually on set for it yes oh wait so it was her first on-screen kiss ever on-screen kiss ever in stargate ever oh my gosh and her parents were there oh no my god we just slandered the hell out of that scene those scenes too (laughs) so awkward 
How awkward is that? Like, mom, dad, want to come to set and watch me kiss this guy a million times? Well, watch this guy kiss me a million times, not even the other way around. Oh, no. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, another interesting tidbit. Some of the items in John Shepard's quarters, the surfboard and uh, the picture of Evil Knievel, uh, is actually Joe's personal items. <laughs> So that's actually him in that picture. And oh. the surfboard is his too. I definitely feel like a lot of Joe went into John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they just keep proving us right. Oh, yeah. The scene where Taylor's like, don't make me do this to Shepard, and he's like kind of above her on the stairs, is a parallel to the previous episode, Instinct, where Shepard said, don't make me do this to Elia, who was perched on the tree above him. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch it either. Whoa, whoa, fun. In a post on the Gate World forum, Martin Giro wrote, Just finished watching the conversion final mix. Pretty great episode if I do say so myself. I think it may be the best Joe has been so far. He's really fantastic. Plus, the visual effects are amazing. James Ticknor and his team are doing a really great job this year. Wait till you see a whole nest of aratus bugs. So creepy. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like, I guess since we've already watched the show, right, we kind of already know, like, what episodes are, like, when the actors shine, kind of. But we didn't really talk about it. But, yeah, Joe's performance is, like, crazy good. Like, his whole transformation and, like, yeah. as he goes into more of, like, his bug state. Really good. Everyone was great. Everyone. I agree. Uh, Todd Han. Uh, who plays um, the Bravo leader, I'm assuming a random military guy in the episode, not one of them that died, previously played Sergeant Gibson in the SG-1 episode Prometheus. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Harrison, who played the scientist, who was talking about um, viable options for like using stem cells and stuff, previously played uh, Darian in the SG-1 episode Double Jeopardy. Not to be confused with Darian from Sailor Moon. Uh, he was the dude with the hair, and he wasn't that important. It's okay. <laughs> One little thing that w might be considered a goof in the episode is that a stasis pod could have been used to prevent Shepard's mutation from going further. So if they were really pressed for time, they could have just stuck him in there and halted his... Well, not halted but slowed his biological process so that they would have more time to find a cure. But it worked out in the end, so it's okay. Maybe they didn't want to overuse that opportunity. Yeah. Because the stasis pod is kind of like anybody who is in jeopardy could just be shoved in there for eternity. Yeah. So, yeah. and uh, that's all we got for behind the scenes. Nice. There you go. And then we're actually going to pass it right back to Tor um, for this week's Fikra Corner. There's a lot to go through. <laughs> and I'm excited. Yeah, this week was fun for me because I love um, when Fik really leans into the science fiction aspects of the show. Stuff that we've seen on the show and just like goes even harder with it. Um, and one subgenre of SGA fic that is very much to that tune is Bug John fic, 
which is always a good time and is always super fun. My favorite of the genre, I believe, is called uh, Sequelae by The Spike. And it's just one of my favorite Atlantis fics ever in general. It will make you laugh and it will make you cry. Basically, the Atlantis expedition has been recalled back to Earth for some period of time. Rodney and Zelenka are still working together at the SGC. Uh, Rodney and John haven't really seen each other in a long time because they had an argument after they returned from Atlantis. And suddenly, John shows up at Rodney's door asking, but not actually asking, for help because he's turning into a bug again. So basically his symptoms return and they try to figure out how to stop him from turning into a bug while he's living on Earth. So hijinks ensue. There's also a lot of seriousness, some emotional stuff. It's really great. I love any sort of Atlantis fic that takes place in a sort of nebulous post-series time where the Atlantis expedition has been recalled for whatever reason and they have to readjust to Earth life because there's some sort of like bittersweetness and angstiness that I like and homesickness that I think is very relatable and sweet. So yes, definitely a must read. It's really good. Uh, another one I have on here is a little more silly, but it's pretty funny. It's called Keepsakes by Taste is Sweet. And basically it's just asking the question, what if they didn't turn Shepard back at the end of the episode? And Rodney had a hard time letting go to the point that he actually makes an enclosure for Shepard to stay in so that he's safe, they're safe from him, and he can kind of stay-ish. <laughs> um, anyways, it's weird, but it's really funny and sweet, and I totally recommend anyone go read it. Another one is Dreaming of a I'm Alive by uh, Cesare. And it is a gen slash um, pre-slash if you squint your eyes and kind of look at it slightly on an angle. When John is exposed to the Aratus retrovirus from conversion again, the team bans to help. But there are some things John has to face alone. Basically, I remember a lot of the fic John being in like a jungle planet. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a very adventure story where the team is really trying their best to help John. And, of course, John is, like, trying to lone wolf it. Um, which is kind of stuff that we talked about in this episode. So if you're interested in that, definitely give that a read. I think genfic in general should be read way more. Because there's super interesting stuff out there that's not always romance related. So, yeah. Give it a look. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your recommendations. What the heck? We're eating good this week. Well, I think that's it. Is that all? I think we all really enjoyed this episode. I definitely really enjoyed it. I mean, there's something for everyone, even though there's some things that I really don't like in it. <laughs> I think they're pretty small. And you can kind of overlook it for the most part. But I am just obsessed with all of the dynamics that they kind of emphasize, especially the team one. And just the insight into John is just chef's kiss. Great episode. I don't know if I can rate it. Maybe like a nine or an eight. 
Yeah, uh, it's similar for me. I really like. I used to love this episode because of the Sparky aspect. Now I love it still because of the um, John Elizabeth um, scenes and all the other dynamics that we mentioned. Except some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is a great episode. I like that it's one of those that takes place. A lot of like a lot of it takes place in Atlantis. I always love to see that. Um, I love what we get to see about John and learning more about his troubled character. And yeah, no, really, really fun to watch. I was thinking about a rating and I was, I don't know why, but I was going for also for an 8 out of 10, which is might be surprising because I tend to rate really, really high. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what's missing. But I really enjoy this episode. It's one of those that I... I watched a lot of times fun episode <laughs> yeah i agree i really love this episode i think it's always fun when stargate leans into really fun sci-fi tropes and their little homage to the fly in this episode is just so good i love that john was the afflicted person because it felt like it was a great way to explore uh, his personality while also exploring really cool horror facets, both um, like physically and mentally. It was fun to see his relationships with different characters, both kind of explicitly and implicitly through dialogue and through action. I really loved Elizabeth in this episode. I missed her this season. I think she really shined. Um, every scene she was in was awesome. Nothing but love for her leadership skills and just her compassion as a person um, and her love for her team and her people. Yeah, I think I'd give this episode, um, ooh, this is hard. I might just give it a 9 out of 10. Maybe it loses a point for me for the whole like trying to set up a John Taylor relationship in the most clumsy and uh, terrifying way possible uh, <laughs> that ends up not going anywhere in the future. But yeah, other than that, a plus. All the things I love in a Stargate episode. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Be sure to check out our links in description if you want to check out the fix and our link to our socials, our public, our private, see what we're up to um, besides just the Jumping Petals podcast. Um, yeah, everything you can check out is down below. And we'll be back next time with Aurora. Ooh, Ooh. that's another fun one. <laughs> amazing episode i can't wait so thanks for hanging out with us today bye bye, bye. <laughs> all right you clowns listen up i don't often get a chance to say this so savor it good work boys and girls let's go home